Hello, and welcome to Moments That Made Her, a podcast where the rare and unique women that hold senior private equity roles share their stories, including the key personal and professional moments that defined their journeys and the lessons that they learned along the way. I'm Kirstie McGuire, Executive Director of PE Win. For those of you joining us for the first time, Moments That Made Her is a production of the Private Equity Women Investor Network, also known as PE Win which is the preeminent organization for senior level women investment professionals in private equity. PEWIN provides its members with opportunities to network, share ideas, make deep connections with peers and empower each other to succeed. Our mission is to increase the profile of women in private equity and our members represent institutions with over $3 trillion in assets under management. To learn more, please visit pewin.org. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. And now to today's guest. What to say? I have so much to say, but I've been warned. Um, our guest today is Kirstie McGuire, the incomparable executive director of the Private Equity Women Investor Network. And we're so thrilled that she agreed to take on this new role. But many of you know her as one of the most accomplished members of the legal community in the private equity industry. She has uh, practiced law for some of the top firms in our industry, including Paul Hastings or Carrington. But I met her when she became my general counsel for the Customized Fund Investment Group at Credit Suisse. And then she went on uh, to distinguish herself as the general counsel for the Stepstone Group before joining P.E. Wynn. And so we are so lucky to have her, so excited to have her as our very first guest, it seems appropriate, because we are really uh, entering a whole new phase for P.E. Wynn. So welcome, Kirsty. Thank you for the kind introduction. Well, let's dial it back. Let's talk about your very first job. And full disclosure, I'll tell you mine. I worked at Dairy Queen. I, I rocked that, you know, fabulous brown polyester uniform. But let's hear about your first job. Oh, wow. Okay, that's funny. So my first job was at Benetton, if, ever, if you remember that, the United Colors of Benetton. And I loved that store. It was like the coolest, hippest place to work. Cool music all the time. And you... First off, folded everything, not unlike the Gap, but you also color-coded everything. And I can tell you, to this day, that's how all my closets are organized. I still can fold a sweater from Benetton like nobody's business. I don't actually think I have any Benetton clothes left, maybe a few, but uh, I still have all the friends that I met when I worked there. It was definitely like a bit of a social scene. And probably in hindsight, Maybe my parents probably should have reined that in a little bit, but... Uh, so you really wanted to live on the wild side, is what you're saying. <laughs> um, I used to always get these jokes that um, some of the assistants would always say to me, you know, you, you, you just dress too well to be a tax attorney. I probably shouldn't <laughs> say that. Anyway, um, I went to the University of Virginia as an undergrad, and I ended up actually working in the music business for a few years. Uh, after I graduated and then I moved into television and I worked for the Discovery Channel for many years. And I went to law school at night at the George Washington University Law School and 
I loved it. I thought I would be a tax lawyer. So I took every tax class that my school offered. I was a research associate uh, for uh, my favorite tax professor, wrote a lot of articles, practiced as a tax lawyer for about a year. But what I found was when you're a tax lawyer, you're typically working on a very small part of the deal. And I wanted to be a part of the whole transaction and really see it sort of from a macro level. And I ended up gravitating towards the fund space. And part of the reason for that is my last year of law school, I had left Discovery and I took a job for the Department of Labor. And I worked in their uh, pension department, specifically the department that granted exemptions to prohibited transactions under ERISA. And I mean, what a fortuitous job opportunity. I remember sitting in my office probably the first week I was there and I read an article that talked about how pension funds are the largest source of capital in the world. And I, that tweaked some interest in me. So you've talked to us a little bit about how you made the transition into private equity, but talk a little bit about the you know, the transitions that you made, particularly from being outside counsel to in-house counsel? You know, when you're at a law firm, as you know, you are a revenue producer. So every resource that you could possibly want is provided to you. Um, also, what's great is you're surrounded by other lawyers who have more experience than you in some cases. And often very different experience, different perspectives. So there's a bit of a intellectual experience that happens when you work at a law firm, right? Because, you know, I call you and I say, I'm having this strange issue, you know, with this regulatory scheme, what do you think, right? Um, but when you go in house, you're often the only attorney or maybe there's one other attorney and they're very busy and nobody's really interested in sort of debating, you know, the finite nuances of securities law with you. I mean, the best thing, obviously, which every sort of lawyer will tell you is that you don't have to bill your time. Um, but actually in some PE shops, right, they do bill their time, which is, I mean, I think I would resign on the spot if they said that to me. I remember, you know, when I left Oric, I was working a tremendous amount of hours. And I think, you know, especially New York lawyers are just very accustomed to that, that that's just how they live, right? They, an early night is 9 p.m. And, you know, you're on call in case somebody calls you from Asia. But uh, it wasn't, I mean, listen, I still worked a ton of hours when I went in-house. But I think it was really this, you know, you're viewed very differently. Right. And I think that when you go in house, the biggest hurdle is establishing trust. Right. Because lawyers can spend a lot of time telling you what you can't do and they don't often provide good lawyers do. I think that's like the transition from being a lawyer to a counselor. Right. That you provide solutions like you say, like, here's the risks of you doing what you want to do. But here's what I advise you do to get to yes. Obviously, I come at it from a unique uh, point of view, but if you don't have your lawyer as part of your trusted inner circle, <laughs> it's very hard to get anything done in my 
in my view. Um, and so let me ask you this. In that, in that transition, in that trajectory, are there moments that where you were particularly aware or conscious about being a woman? Most times you're, you, you know, often one of the only women in the room. I mean, that's changed. I used to always make this joke about the best thing about working in private equity is that you never have to wait in line for the bathroom because you're the only woman there. <laughs> but uh, I will say that what I've observed, and I, I've said this, it's the lines are getting longer, which is fantastic, right? I'll share a funny story. I was at uh, Half Moon Bay at the conference one year, and um, a guy that I knew had somehow snuck into the conference. And... I saw him the first day, but you know how you're crazed when you're there, you're meeting 5 million people. And then I went back to my hotel and the next morning I got up really early and he had sent me an email at like two in the morning. And he's like, I've never felt so uncomfortable in my life. I was the only man in the entire complex. And he's like, I think I know how you feel now. <laughs> and I just started laughing. I mean, look, law school's an interesting place. It's like half of it is, I mean, more than half, I think is women. Um, and you know, when you start in your summer associate class, your class is usually 60% women, right? And then over time they start dropping off. Yeah, I know when I was practicing, of course, I was also practicing in a very male area. I was doing project finance and they, they used to call me the Teflon associate because everything just like slid off my back. But, um, but I do remember how remarkable it was when I moved to Prudential because my boss was a woman. There were four other women in my department we were I think the majority and my boss reported to a black man who was yeah. the, the head of the asset management law, lawyer so Prudential and this is in the early 90s I mean it was really a remarkable place I had never seen a place like that and I've never seen a place like that again to be honest um, so what would you say is the high point of your career so far in your estimation it sounds strange but it's not really the promotions or the sort of obtaining, you know, whatever um, sort of perceived status that might be. It's more, uh, there are a lot of deals that were really hard. You know, I remember, it's strange to say, but you know, I remember one deal where I think we didn't sleep for three days and I really thought I was gonna die at the 11th hour and we got it across the finish line. And I mean, literally there were moments where I would look at myself in the mirror at four in the morning and just be like, all right, like you gotta just, you gotta keep, like, keep it together and just keep on going. And we'll just, you know, literally like no idea what outcome would be. Um, I'm sort of proud of those moments because I feel like, uh, those are, those are tough moments, right? And then, you know, being able to get through it and close the deal is, is really nice. Um, but then also what I would say, honestly, the high points of my career have, and it's going back to your point, it's the people I've met along the way, you know, at the end of the day, that's really, look, all, it's all that matters personally, but truthfully, it's really all that matters professionally, right? I mean, when you get to New York or, you know, whatever top market you're in, everyone's smart. Like the, the margin between you and the next person is very small. And success really starts to come from, as you move up the ladder from soft variables, right? Like your ability to 
work with people, your ability to connect with people, your ability to get people to trust and like you. I completely agree. I mean, people ask how how you have a, a long career in private equity. And obviously at PEWIN, we're very focused on the retention of women in our in industry. But one of the ways you assure the longevity of your career is by establishing strong relationships. We would like to take a brief break to thank PEWIN's founding sponsors, Kane Anderson Real Estate and KPMG, as well as our platinum sponsor, TPG. If you're interested in sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at info at PEWIN.org. Now back to today's guest. So let me ask you this, what stands out as a particularly fun or creative moment in your career? When I was a first year, uh, I worked very briefly on a transaction um, with regard to uh, Elvis Presley selling his, or his estate basically licensing um, the use of his name and likeness. Was this skinny Elvis or it was all Elvis. Look, listen, I mean, I think what, what's, what was interesting to me about that, right, was that was a tie-in from my previous life, working in the music business and in television. So now let's go to the flip side of that. Are there moments that you would identify that either were not as successful, that you would consider a failure, but ended up being a teachable moment? You know, how, how would you describe the way you thrive through those types of situations? Typically, lawyers are very hard on themselves, right? They're, it's really a precision occupation and a service occupation. And then I think women are even harder on themselves, right? So I think, you know, when you make mistakes, uh, you can really, really beat yourself up. There was just an uh, article in the trade, I think, with one of the big bankruptcies that a young associate sort of deleted a column or a, a, did something and you know it included all these very valuable contracts that should not have been included in the deal and I thought to myself like oh my god I mean that is like can you imagine like you have a you're a first year you make a mistake like that and it ends up in the trades I mean that's horrible I have a very extroverted personality I love people and you know one of the things I've always said especially with paralegals that I've hired right like listen whatever happens, like whatever mistake you make, just tell me and we'll fix it, right? But if you don't tell me, then we can get into trouble and we can get into big trouble because we're dealing with big numbers here, right? One paralegal that I'd hired, you know, best hire I've ever made, I think in my career, still very uh, close to this person. And he came to me and it was a big mistake and you know it happened when he had just joined and i mean it was it could have been really bad right but i remember sitting in my office after and thinking like wow that was a really sort of smart way to be that i kind of fell into right that you know people fee i guess it's kind of like when kids get drunk at parties and their parents are like if you call me and i will pick you up but you won't get into trouble it was kind of like that right and 
it's really important, especially in financial services, right? You don't, the last thing you want is anybody hiding anything from you. That's true. I mean, I think that some of the worst things that have happened in my business have happened because someone was afraid to speak up. What's one thing we don't know about you yet? Um, I play the violin. That's one thing people don't know about me that people think is weird. I have my grandfather's violin from Germany that I play. I'm not good, but I think playing music is very therapeutic. And then the other, you know, people always joke, like, you have to come up with a really good corporate icebreaker. So you're interesting, but you're not weird. So mine has always been, um, I grew up with, my brother had a wolf hybrid dog. So we grew up with this amazing creature named Timber, who was this gorgeous animal that looked like a wolf, but was part dog. And uh, that was before, you know, like Game of Thrones and all that stuff when people started doing that. So uh, he was a great, you know, everybody has that one dog, I think, in their past. So he could have been he could have been the real wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> he kind of was. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? The thing is really to have a vision for your life and who you are and what you want to be, right? And what you want to be isn't necessarily, right? Uh, I want to be the head of whatever, you know, the CIO of whatever. It's more like, uh, you know, who, who and what are you, like, what are your values, right? And sort of what, what is important to you in your life, right? And so for me, uh, I like an intellectual challenge, right? That's important to me that I, that I get that. Uh, in some fashion and then I think really a sense of belonging and community is super important right and we spend most of our time working and I think to the extent that you can find that in your job is very important if you had a career other than private equity what would it be and I think I would have liked being an ER doctor for a time I don't, I mean, maybe I'd want to be a fashion designer, but I certainly enjoy, I have a lot of friends in fashion and I just love going into their design houses and seeing all the fabric and all the cool technology they have to build out patterns. And it's just amazing. I, I, I think that's, you know, so a, do, a, a fashion designing doctor. <laughs> I'm so glad you didn't say trust an estates lawyer. Um. <laughs> So the last question I want to ask you is why PE win? Why did you decide to take the role as our executive director? Because we're thrilled. So I've been a member of PE win probably for seven or eight years. And it's a very unique organization in that it has probably the most um, high caliber members in the business, right? Um, it's the most senior women who control a tremendous amount of capital, right? And, and these are the women that everybody's trying to get in front of, right? And, you know, PEWIN has done a really good job of being very disciplined about maintaining the integrity of their membership base. Pink Light, I think, is one of the jewels in our crown, right, that we do. It's an accelerator program that helps bring uh, women-founded funds to market, and it's incredible, and Adele and Jill have done a tremendous job with that, but um, there's so much more, right, that uh, I have envisioned for this organization, and we have so much support from 
the entire industry. The more senior you get in your career, right, it's not, it's not about how smart you are or how you're gonna structure this transaction. It's gonna be who you know, right? And what better place, right, than PEWIN for all these people to get together and connect and form relationships. There's a lot of different things that I think that uh, we will do and uh, it's gonna be very innovative and uh, aggressive in some ways, but you know, our goal is to become a self-sustaining organization that's gonna be around for a long time. Yes, or as I say, our quest for world domination. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Moments That Made Her. I'm Scotty Wardell, co-chair of the PE Win Communications Committee. As a reminder, the content in this recording is for general information purposes only and does not constitute advice. We give no assurance or warranty regarding accuracy, timeliness, or applicability of any of the contents of this recording. This recording is provided as is and PE Win expressly disclaims any and all warranties expressed or implied to the extent permitted by law. Except where acknowledged, the copyright and all intellectual property rights in all material in this recording are owned by P.E. Wynn and our affiliates and should not be reproduced without our prior written consent. Other organizations or brand names used within this recording are for identification purposes only. The content set forth in this recording may not be sold, reproduced, or distributed without P.E. Wynn's prior written consent. Any third-party trademarks, service marks, and logos are the property of their respective owners. Any further rights not specifically granted herein are reserved. Thank you again for joining us today, and we hope you tune in for another episode soon.